Hey friends, welcome back to Witch Church. It's Mal. I'm super excited because today, professional astrologer and my friend Cameron Allen is joining me on this episode to discuss dun, 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 our upcoming Venus retrograde cycle. Um, which I am super excited about, actually. And if you didn't know, Venus is going to be in Capricorn for a really long time. Venus has already been in Capricorn since November 5th, 2021. And Venus will continue to be in Capricorn until March 6th, 2022. So that's nearly five months of Venus, planet of love, beauty, harmony, friendship. Um, amongst other things, Venus is hanging out in Capricorn for the long haul right now. Um, so I feel it's so important for us to discuss and come together with this transit as a whole, especially because Venus will be stationing retrograde in Capricorn. So Venus will station retrograde on December 19th, 2021, and we'll station direct on January 29th, 2022. So Venus will be retrograde from 26 degrees Capricorn all the way to 11 degrees Capricorn. What does this mean in English? Well, I'm always a little excited for a Venus retrograde cycle because I think these cycles are super powerful for doing some deep self-examination work when it comes to how we relate to ourselves and also how we relate to those that we love because Venus is the planet of love. This Venus retrograde cycle feels particularly transformational because it also includes not one, not two, but three conjunctions with Pluto. Um, so the first Venus-Pluto conjunction will take place on December 11th. The second pass of this conjunction will take place on December 25th. And then the third and final Venus-Pluto conjunction will take place on March 3rd, 2022. What does this mean in English? What does Venus conjunct Pluto even mean? Don't worry, hold tight. Cam and I are going to get into all this stuff. We're going to unpack Venus and Capricorn as a whole. We're going to we're going to unpack Venus retrograde and what it could mean in a larger context and also the dynamics of Venus Pluto together and what Venus and Pluto can offer us as the main signature of this Venus retrograde cycle. And just in general, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings floating around about Venus-Pluto transits, Venus retrograde, and even Venus and Capricorn. You know, as a Venus and Capricorn native, I tend to think there's some misunderstandings floating around <laughs> about this uh, natal placement of mine. So Cam and I are going to just really uh, illuminate all of these maybe cliches and stereotypes and examine what is actually underneath some of these um, understandings and how we can take them to a deeper level that actually gives us some medicine and some food for thought about this, again, long haul Venus and Capricorn transit. Venus is going to be in Capricorn for five months, so we better, you know, 
see what they're up to. <laughs> you know, there's a lesson here for all of us, which is why I felt passionate about making a whole episode dedicated to Venus in Capricorn and this Venus retrograde cycle. Like I said, you already know Cam from episode 74, so definitely go back and re-listen to that episode where Cam kind of gets a little bit deeper into his spiritual path as a whole. In this episode, it's a little bit more of a conversation. We just kind of get right into it, but I still want to reintroduce Cam to you. And just so you know, all of Cam's information is in the show notes, his Instagram, his Twitter, his website. Um, I've had consultations with Cam. He's an excellent astrologer, and I always recommend him as just a really, um, a, a very profound space holder. Um, so a little bit more about Cam before we get into the episode. Cameron began his spiritual path to understand the mind-body awareness with a degree in health and sports science and psychology. Seeing that there was more to understand outside of the colonized education system, he began seeking understanding through direct experience with nature, astrology, herbalism, yoga, root work, and other indigenous modalities. All of Cam's practices are grounded in years of invaluable direct experience with clients as the in-house herbalist and holistic health consultant working at a popular spiritual supply store in Memphis, Tennessee. Apart from his work with clients, Cam has extensive formal training from the School of Evolutionary Herbalism and the School of Evolutionary Astrology. Okay, um, so I hope you learn a lot from Cam. I'm sure you will, as always. Just a quick side note, while recording, both Cam and I were outside of our normal office environments, so... There are some points when we're a little echoey, there's a little bit of city sounds, there's a little background noise here and there. Everything is totally listenable. Just be mindful and empathetic that we were we were traveling, <laughs> traveling, recording podcasters on the day of our recording date. Okay, so thank you so much for your understanding and patience. Please reach out to, feel free to reach out to either one of us and let us know how your Venus retrograde cycle is going. Did any of the stuff we talked about in this episode end up making sense in the long haul? Please loop back to us. I would love to hear your stories and enjoy this episode. We were talking about how Venus in Capricorn, which Venus will be transiting Capricorn for a good long while now, um, towards the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. And I'm thinking about the nature of Venus in Capricorn in general and how misunderstood this placement is. And I think it tends to get a bad rap in both the natal chart and in like transiting mundane astrology too. It feels like people really 
don't understand the beauty of Venus and Capricorn. And I want to know, since both you and I are native Venus and Capricorns, how do you feel like Venus and Capricorn has been misunderstood? And how has like, I guess, the wisdom of Venus and Capricorn just kind of been lost almost or not located properly does that make sense yeah yeah totally I mean so the first thing I always think of is just like how well for me at least like living in the United States and like growing up here it's like how have people thought about like love and relationships right and so living in this context so to take a step back there's something that I've been really feeling into uh it's Ayurvedic concept and it's called Kala Desipatra and it's about like a specific time place and location and all these things and how they have to be put into context for you to even understand to know how to navigate and appropriately act within the situation or in the life that you're experiencing right so the the time is 2021 or like when I was born in 1990 the place is the United States and the situation is right now we're talking about Venus. So it was going to have to do for me in this perspective, it's about relationships and, and what, what, like, what is the social norm, which corresponds directly to Capricorn Capricorn is about the social norms that we're all involved in. And, and then Venus is about relationships. So what's the social norms about relationships in the society we live in? Well, we have a tendency to have like a hyper romanticism when it comes to relationship dynamics, you know, um, there's like, maybe there's studies or like there's a book I read, I'm not gonna be able to quote it perfectly, but it's like most places like people who are in like actual romantic connections or like married, they don't, they're not like out in public, like kissing on the mouth or like holding hands and stuff like that. You know, what they're really doing is having responsibility roles that are able to transfer into the community and into the society at large, you know? And so a lot of times I feel like Venus and Capricorn would get a bad rap because it's not necessarily this mushy, gooey, kind of like romantic dripping with like Valentine's Day gifts. And because I can't get you a Valentine's Day gift when we have bills to pay and our community is not thriving right now, you know? Like, and those things are important. And like, not to say that I can't be loving, that I can't be caring, but those two things are just certain orientations that we haven't been shown in this space and time in like in the United States where I live, right? It's like more like Disney movies and stuff like that. So that's one, that's like the biggest thing that I always think about when I think about Venus and Capricorn and how sometimes it gets like damn or bastardized. Um, so yeah, I will start with that. Ooh, that makes, that hits, that makes so much sense to me, Cam, because um, you're so right. I mean, it's kind of a cliche at this point, but like, we all know that we've been conditioned on some level to want like the Disney love, if you will. Uh, I don't know, or like the, the fairy tale love, but honestly, I think the more we strive for that, the more we project what we want onto the person and then we like start to idealize this like 
clinging onto them and then we're falling in love with who we want them to be and they're falling in love with who they want us to be and we're not actually seeing each other who we are, who we actually are so i think that might be a gift of venus and capricorn like the evolved venus and capricorn although i'm not saying i have not done this in my life because obviously i have but you know like I feel like evolved Venus and Capricorn vibes is like, who are you in this present moment? How do I love you within this present moment? And how do I actually see like the, there's something like raw, like the raw reality of who you are and not try to project my own Disney ideals onto what I want you to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent, yeah. And in in a world also where it's like, oftentimes ideas are like, take precedence over like embodied experience and like what actually like I really feel in my body. You know, I really feel like Venus and Capricorn is like, am I even in my body enough to like hold a container for who you actually are right now, you know? to like really connect and be present. And, you know, also Capricorn corresponds in evolutionary astrology to emotional maturity. So it's like when I have emotional maturity and then I bring in Venus, the way I relate to myself is gonna be the way I relate to you. So if I'm emotionally mature and I can hold what I think and what I feel and I can take account of what's going on with me, then I can do that. And then I can hold space for you as well and be a container for this unit this like unity or like this bonding you know because venus always is about like binding things together even to the point where it becomes like so binded that sometimes it's like relaxed and like the boundaries get kind of blurred but that's why i think capricorn is a really great place for venus to be if we can bring that awareness around it and i also just am inviting people into these perspectives because what people say about venus and capricorn a lot of times I'm like, yeah, it does show up that way a lot, sure. And also there's other ways that we can like tune into it. And so what I'm really here for, not just in this talk, but always to me is like to open up the spectrum, you know? So like people can see like, this is what it looks like over here when it's like maybe more infantile, like infant-like or, or childlike, which is not a value judgment, it's just like, this is like how somebody acts when they're younger and like, this is what it can mature into, you know, not even a better or worse, just like, have you made it to this level of maturity yet? And not making that a big deal. I think that's something I'm really like about right now. Like I'm really about like, hey, here's this, here's that, here's all the things in between, where are you at? I don't, good or bad, I don't even care about that right now. I'm trying to actually get like, a good sense of like how I can hear, taste, smell the quality of something so I can learn how to hold it. And for me, my Venus in Capricorn, yeah, it's, it's, it's about that. It really is. How can I relate to myself and to life in a way that I build traditions that are like, can be stood on like in a strong, firm kind of way. And now I'm going on a tangent, so I'm gonna stop there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I relate to that. And you know, you're wait, tell me, you have Venus 
Mars, Uranus, and Mercury all together, right? I have in my chart, so I have Saturn at 19 degrees, I have Mercury at 20 degrees, and then I have Venus retrograde at 21 degrees in Capricorn. But I do still have the Mars and Uranus and Neptune all in Capricorn as well, but they're a little bit um, further away, depending on what orb one desires to use. But yeah, so it's it's a lot going on in Capricorn. Okay, yeah, because so my Venus in Capricorn, because I was born in 1995, so it's it's actually sandwiched between right between Neptune and Uranus, and it's right on my descendant. So I like to think that um, because I have Venus in Cap on my descendant, I get to meet a lot of Venus and Capricorn people. Like my Venus and Capricorn placement isn't just about me. It's also about who I attract. So it's interesting that you are literally, <laughs> you are you are quite literally a manifestation. I think of my Venus in Capricorn on my descendant. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. Yeah. Is it is it is on your descendant, but is it, it's in the seventh or the eighth, depending on what chart you use, or? So it's it's definitely in the seventh. Um, yeah. In if you use Placidus, it's kind of like Neptune's at twenty four. My descendants. 25 and venus is at 26 and then uranus yeah uranus is at like 28 um so um but the reason i wanted to ask that is because i feel like even though i'm a venus in capricorn because my venus is co-present with uranus and neptune just like you and i know a lot of the listeners that are here right now are going to be listening at least um, there, some of them will have that, at least that Neptune Uranus conjunction. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about that in the context of this Venus retrograde, like this Venus retrograde is going over an entire generations Uranus Neptune conjunction. And yeah. you know what? I'm thinking about that in the context of like how messed up our generation is when it comes to like love stuff because we're the first like dating app like generation and like we're and not that dating apps are messed up I don't think they are but I I think there's something about our upbringing with social media and being the Uranus Neptune generation that now Venus is coming up to that and kind of like knocking on our door and being like wait a second, Um, how are we actually cultivating um, connection? Um, How are we cultivating all of this trauma healing that we all love to talk about? Like, how are we doing that if nobody actually knows how to be in relationship to one another? Um, That's something that has come up lately in my mind, (laughs) you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I haven't even thought about it from that lens necessarily, but I've definitely thought about how many people I know like are on gadgets and like talk about connectivity, but they're like, oh, my, I'm in my sister's apartment. So anyway, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I was just thinking about like people who are like on gadgets and talk about like connectivity. And also it's like, when was the last time someone actually just like 
held someone and like allowed them to like co-regulate with them you know like who actually is doing that work or like who has built the capacity to do that in like an actual like practical way and those things are things that I feel are like really really important to me especially with all my Capricorn like it's all about like what can I hold what is mine to hold and yeah that's what I'm always curious about like is what people are saying an idea or are they like actually out here I always say like are you out here in these streets doing it you know like <laughs> like really showing up in the world and are you taking like the practical steps and the action that is needed rather than making someone feel okay because of these words that you're saying like on a gadget or like you know two people having like really good ideas or like being able to connect on the phone and then when they actually meet each other there's like so much awkwardness or lack of ability to like stand up straight within one's own state of being or posture that something can't really be built that is like a strong foundation. And so those are things that I've been feeling into and thinking about for a long time. But yeah, overall in general though, the Uranus Neptune, I didn't really think about that, but that's a good reflection. I'm looking forward to tuning into that more. Yeah, I love that. I love that point about co-regulation. And it's interesting because like a very cookbook pop astrology reading of what is Venus retrograde as a transit, um, it's going to be like, oh, don't, don't date or like, don't start any new relationships or like, careful, your, your love life is going to get fucked up. But to be honest, like tuning in with you, I actually feel more aligned with um, facing some fears about co-regulation and some fears about um, maybe even attachment issues, attachment trauma, codependency. It feels like this Venus in retrograde actually wants us to make the attempt to be in relation with one another and see what happens and almost see what is triggered inside of us. And I'm thinking this because Venus will station retrograde with Pluto. And the exact date Venus will station retrograde with Pluto on December 19th. And I would love to hear your kind of thoughts about just Venus Pluto dynamics in general, because for me, it kind of feels like sometimes things have to be triggered in order for them to heal. Like some, sometimes um, like for instance, attachment trauma, the only way you heal attachment trauma is to attempt to be in relationship with another person, right? <laughs> like, there's no way of getting out of that trigger. And I'm thinking, yeah, Venus and Pluto being a kind of like, all right, we don't get to run away from this. Like we don't get to hide from love, from connection, this whole five months. Like actually, I think it it kind of wants us to look our fear into the eye when it comes to connection. Um yeah, what what feels right for you when it comes to that Venus Pluto that we're slowly feeling the build up to? Yeah. So for me on a definitely on a personal level, I feel like 
whatever I really, it's just to me, whenever I think about Pluto, I'm thinking about like just saying yes, you know, just saying yes to life and saying yes to what I feel. And so getting into my, my senses in the most intense ways possible, whether that's through pleasure, whether that's through like really going after like a practice that like is making me feel even potentially not necessarily pain, but like uncomfortable, a little bit of pain, honestly, too, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like just uncomfortability and like, can I say yes to it? And like, where is the yes and where is the no? And I like to go into it, like from perspective of my body and like my senses, because the more I can do that inside of myself, the more capacity that I have to do that with other people. And so to me, I mean, and obviously like Pluto has a lot of intensity to it. And so I have just been like feeling into like, how can I like start slowly turning up the threshold of intensity, whether that's pleasure or that's pain, you know, and, and how much capacity do I have for that? And, you know, that's like very like Cameron thing because I feel like, like Venus is going through my first house. And also I don't suggest that everyone do this because it's not everybody's thing and everybody doesn't necessarily have capacity for that or desire that at all better yet you know so that's what I've been feeling into and I also just feel like I should be able to be who I am in connection with whoever I'm in connection with and say what I feel and when that happens I don't want to abandon myself and I don't want the other person to abandon themselves yeah and and like for me, I'm like, kind of like, that's it. Like, but to extend that out a little further, like inviting people to find ways to not make other people feel abandoned, which I hate when I say make other people feel because everybody ideally would be responsible for their own feelings. But a better way to put it is to be more mindful and emotionally mature around how we are aren't triggering other people's shit, you know? And like staying with our things and not abandoning them and inviting other people to stay with them, their things and not abandoning them. And when we do that, what we're actually doing is creating a deeper connection. And that deeper connection isn't always the perspective of, oh, my gosh, this worked out perfectly fine now. This is great. Now we can love each other and be together. It could actually mean like. This really fucking hurts because now that you really said what you really, really feel and didn't abandon what you really, really want, I know that I'm not what you want, you know? And I like, and I see that and now that means I have to admit that this actually isn't gonna fucking work. And sometimes that's even harder for people than clashing about something to actually just be emotionally mature enough to be like, wow, this isn't gonna fucking work. And I wanted it to work and I wanted to be here. And like, that is like, yeah, that's what I'm feeling into when it comes to Pluto and the Venus and Capricorn. And just like trying to go into things in a way that is like more emotionally mature and composed too, because I always think about Capricorn being composed and if Pluto's intensity and Venus's relationships and Capricorn being composure, it's like, can I be composed in relationships when they get intense as fuck? Can I do that? 
and am I even like opening that door up for myself and other people? And so for me, I am. And I've had some things happen already where people have gotten volcanic on me. And I'm just like, yeah, cool. Tell me more. Like, you know, I'm just like, I'm just there for it. And I'm just like allowing the space for it. And also being mindful not to internalize it too, because that's like, it's a whole process with me for sure. So yeah, that's what, that's what I'll say about that for now. Yeah, that hits, that hits. Like, um, it reminds me that I abandonment wounds or like abandonment trauma. I mean, it, I feel like that kind of trauma is, is it too much to say it's probably universal because we all abandon ourselves constantly. So if we're all abandoning, or some people do abandon themselves a lot. And I think that's a learned behavior. And when we're constantly abandoning ourselves, we're abandoning others. And then like that cycle of abandonment trauma just keeps like going and going and going. And I'm thinking about Venus and Pluto as um, even like past life uh, stuff. And I know I'm thinking about um, like when it comes to past life healing and that trauma that is like so deeply rooted, like an abandonment trauma, um, the traumas that can carry themselves through our, the threads of our different lifetimes. And I think that's one of the reasons why this Venus retrograde, although intense, as you, as you stated, I think that could definitely be a key term. I'm thinking like, as intense as it is, I mean, who knows? Some people during this Venus retrograde could I don't want to say like move past some past life patterns, but they could certainly make a dent in healing some of that karma, especially if it's karma surrounding abandonment issues or attachment issues. Um, so that's kind of what is coming up from your words with me. And Cam, can I ask from an evolutionary astrology perspective? If someone natally has Venus Pluto, I mean, maybe it would be kind of enlightening for you to talk about like what is the evolution of Venus and Pluto? Like, how does one start out as Venus Pluto? And then how ideally does one evolve through Venus and Pluto in natal in natal astrology? Yeah. Love that question. I appreciate that question. Yeah. So in evolutionary astrology, you know, so in traditional astrology, we utilize, oh wow. I said we. So I like traditional astrology enough now to say we. Okay, anyway, that's <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, cool. So in, in traditional astrology, we use like specific aspects, right? Like, you know, you use the sextile, you use the trine, you use the square, you use the opposition. And so Oftentimes, all these other like number, like, right, it's like one, one, I mean, 360 degrees around a whole chart. And people perceive that there's not meaning in every single degree or like it without the whole, like throughout the whole cycle, 
people are projecting onto the chart that is there's no meaning that exists within that. And it's inherently not true. And so one thing I do want to say is that, and I'm going to be bold when I say it, is that people people who know a lot of stuff are right about the things that they know. And then a lot of times when they speak on things that they haven't been taught, they don't know what they're talking about. So if anyone ever tells you a specific degree doesn't mean something, I'm going to tell you right now, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, and that's a pretty bold statement to make. And it's true because I've watched it happen. So every single degree is like making a difference. So Pluto is going to be the anchor point, right? Because every two, whenever there's two planets, the slower moving planet is the anchor point. And then Venus is having its evolutionary journey with Pluto around the whole chart. So it's like about understanding what is the evolution of a thing between zero degrees and 30 degrees? What does that even mean? What does it mean for it to go between 30 degrees and 60 degrees? What does that mean? Because there's a journey that's happening there. And even thinking about like Pluto, like if Venus is approaching Pluto, that means there's something that's been happening a long time in that evolutionary track of that person's existence. And something about the, the empowerment that this person's seeking or the unconscious desires that they have which is Pluto, and then their, their relationship to self and their, in their idea of relationships or how they relate is finally letting go of an old pattern that was potentially empowering or disempowering. Because sometimes things that were empowering for us, they become disempowering because we've held on to them too long and they've run their course. So like an ending phase conjunction with Pluto and Venus is about finding empowerment through letting go or transmuting the way that you once related to things so that you can move forward into a new cycle of relating. Whereas Pluto in, in a conjunction with Venus in a new phase conjunction, that would be Venus going on a new journey to explore instinctually, like how are my unconscious desires allowing me to unravel my relationship with myself, right? And so like those things, that's what, I, that's what I see as like the phasal relationship. That's what they call them, phasal relationships between Pluto and Venus, but it's between any two planets, you know, and it's just all it takes is knowing the phases of the moon to know what phasal relationship two planets are in. And the moon meaning isn't, you know, the phases of the moon are just phases in phasal relationship between two planets. So even when people say phase of the moon, what they're really saying is the phase between the sun and the moon. So just being mindful that you can track any two planets in that way. I don't know if that fully answers the question or you have a follow-up question to like suss that out a little bit, but that's what I would say to start with. No, I love that. And I think um, this might not be very conventional of me and maybe not the quote unquote right way to go about um, interpreting like the astrological weather as we're trying to do in this uh, podcast. But sometimes I will think, oh, Venus and Pluto are gonna be together during this cycle, this Venus retrograde cycle. And I start to think, well, if we zoomed that in a lot and we brought it back to the natal chart, like what are some challenges that Venus, Pluto native people experience? And I think you hit it right, the nail right on the head with that kind of uh, the empowerment and disempowerment point about 
sometimes we heal things and we do let go of them or we're ready to let go of them, but then we don't do it or we kind of stick around with that old story because our egos get something out of it or maybe there's a little bit of like a I don't know if it's like a victim mentality but I think sometimes we really do hold on to what has hurt us at least maybe I do this because I'm moon Pluto so it's (laughs) similar to Venus Pluto but I'm like no, like I want, I want this pain. Like, I don't want to let that go. Cause if I let that pain go, then I let the other person off the hook, right. For hurting me. And it becomes this like weird passive aggressive thing. And, um, I'm thinking about Venus Pluto as a whole now, really maybe a reckoning with, um, why do we hold on? Are we holding on because we're still unhealed or are we holding on because there's some underlying unconscious like punishing thing going on I think that's something that my moon Pluto does a lot and I guess the question I want to ask you after saying all that is as a Venus and Capricorn native how do you think Venus in Capricorn has allowed you to learn about letting go. Um, It's such a phrase that we throw around in the spiritual community so much, like let go, like it's the new moon, purge, Um, you know, whatever, like shed your old skin. But I'm like, how, like, like, I don't get it. Like it just feels so surface level. Um, So what is Venus in Capricorn? What is the wisdom that this, transit can actually show us about what letting go even is yeah so there's a few ways i describe it but the way i would describe it now especially because pluto is involved and so i would say in what experiences in relationship do you feel like if you don't if you keep holding on to this you will be dragged like that's (laughs) Like, if I hold on to this thing, it's going to continue to drag me. Like, I'm going to start being dragged. I even sometimes, because sometimes I get intense, especially more in my practice these days. And I'm like, imagine yourself holding on to this relationship. Now, imagine that relationship as a car. Is it, it how fast is it moving? How, how much is it caring for you? Is the person going to, like, throw you some skates so you can be hanging on the back and, like, riding and it's fun? Or, or does this person not even give you shoes? Like how much are you being cared for here? And imagine that car taking off. And, then, and, and, and no matter what happens when somebody like, cause I do it much slower when I'm like, visualize this, visualize that. And then I'm like abruptly like now, now let it, let the car move. And everybody, like the thing about it is like, your psyche will reveal to you what you truly feel and think about the circumstance that you're in. So some people will get dragged and their knees bleeding at the end. And then other people are like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. I wish they would learn how to like steer the car better, but this is still glorious and fun. You know, it's like, there's so much range that can happen in that experience. And so, yeah. that's a funny example or not maybe not funny maybe kind of like intense but like that's like the kind of things that like make me feel in like I feel into it from that perspective you know like 
and also for me, I'll say, since I do have Venus retrograde, there is like a different functioning happening there where in evolutionary astrology, we say Venus retrograde is about engaging in relationships from an external perspective and those relationships always sending the person back in on themselves, which is the retrograde function, right? The relationship with self. Also something I've been finding deeply with people who have Venus retrograde it's also about the relationship to, I don't like other things that aren't necessarily human people, right? It's like when I go deeply inside of myself and relate to myself and my body in a certain way, I start to relate to the plants different. I start relating to, I started relating to like crystals and rocks and just like earth different. I started relating to the soil different. And something about that too, as well, is like, if you have Venus retrograde, when Venus retrograde hits, going back to the earth and like building that relationship, because that's the first relationship that you have to have, the relationship with your body, the relationship with the earth. If you don't have that, you won't feel like you belong. If you don't feel like you belong, doesn't matter what the next human coming does to you, for you, with you, any of those things, you'll still have this underlying feeling of not belonging. And so another tangent probably, but that's, that's, that's where I'm, that's what I'm saying here. And yeah, that's what I, that's what I feel. That makes a lot of sense to me, Kim. And I was actually going to ask you about, yeah, being a Venus retrograde native and um, like kind of the karmic lessons that you have felt surrounding that. And so, yeah, I like, I like that kind of um, like, the sort of internal and external work that always has to be done having Venus retrograde in your own natal chart. Mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to say too, is that something that I've found, I think with both 12th house Venus placements, Venus in Capricorn, Venus in Aquarius, and Venus retrograde natives. So like Saturn ruled Venuses, the 12th house Venuses, and just the Venus retrograde natives in general. I find that there might be a karmic lesson about receiving love um, and maybe the fear of receiving love. Um, maybe it's because we saw something messed up in our parents' relationship, or maybe our parents didn't exactly show us what it is, the unconditional love that we might have needed. Um, or maybe even, I don't know, for me, Venus and Capricorn can be a little bit of a, it's like, oh, what excuse can I find to like not, receive love right now <laughs> like if I went through your your resume and I was like eh, no that's not eh, you're a little eh, like you know like because that's what Venus and Capricorn does it's like uh, do you do you have uh, do you have the checklist and until you're my whatever perfect checklist or whatever then I'm not gonna let you in but then what is that coming from? That's nothing about the other person. That's about me blocking 
love, affection, receptivity or whatever. So I'm wondering, is that that fear of receptivity? Do you think that's something that, you know, Venus in retrograde, this transit may bring up? Or is that anything that you've been downloading or anything that you've experienced in your life as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, well, again, so like Venus retrograde in general is about like throwing off what other people think about relationships. So like people have these ideas about relationships should be and Venus retrograde is throwing it off. So they're always being thrown back in on themselves. So that is a perspective of like, well, yeah, this person is throwing off relationships and going back inside themselves but the function of it is to learn what I actually want, what I actually value. So we can make any story we want up about that. And this is something that I feel like is really important in my practice because, you know, when people say, this is what this placement does, or this is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, in evolutionary astrology, we find the why, the why it's happening. So now I know why this person is doing that. So I don't give a damn about this story, right? I care about the story deeply because this person is telling me this story and that's awesome and, and like you know I tune into that on each individual level but at the same time I don't give a damn about it in the way of there's no reason to judge why or why this is or isn't happening it's just about like what is actually the evolutionary intention what is actually trying to be like fulfilled or processed here and so that's what the Venus retrograde thing um in general and so Venus and Capricorn in evolutionary astrology, they say oftentimes there will be two types of parents that the Venus uh, and Capricorn person will have. One parent will be like very kind and loving and generous. And then the other parent would be very rigid, structured, locked down, uh, authoritative, um, uh, distorted patriarchal type of energy influence. And so the person learns, like, I can be open, but I shouldn't be all the way open. You know, it's like this very, like, the Venus energy of, like, I want to be open. And then the Capricorn energy of, like, I feel restricted. And I feel like I'm closing myself off to being cared for and love at the same time. And so that's what I see from the Venus and Capricorn placement more than anything else. And Venus in Aquarius is inherently anything in evolutionary astrology that is in, in cahoots or co-present with Uranus or in cahoots or in Aquarius is a potential trauma signature and highlighted on potential trauma signature because obviously any placement could be a signature of something happening, but it's just a heightened potential trauma signature. And so, yeah, with Venus and Aquarius, they, that's just a thing overall. And so people with Venus and Aquarius oftentimes have this energy to them where they like disassociate from relationships or if they feel like they're not getting what they need, they just like detach from it in a way that's like, hmm, it's a way that's interesting. That's what I'll say. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then you said Venus in the 12th house, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. And so Venus in the 12th house, you know, Oftentimes with Venus in the 12th house, this person has gone through a lot of different things in relationships. And I say a lot of different things because I perceive the 12th house to be a multi-dimensional space. And I don't necessarily mean multi-dimensional as like galactic, even though it can be that for sure. 
but multidimensional is like there's been a variety of things that this person has gone through and experienced oftentimes through just experiencing the collective and so they're they're raw and they're sensitive and so they oftentimes want to stay away from love because they feel how amazing love can be and how people don't often give that kind of love you know that's that's the way i look at it in general you know um but you know it's like also with venus in the 12th house it's i've met some people who were like have like amazing like these like ideal fantasy relationships and it's a really beautiful thing you know that i've found people who with certain placements that have seemed to be difficult or problematic for a lot of people they're actually the exact opposite for others um yeah which i haven't fully figured out yet so i'll just leave it at that for now um I love that. Yeah. And there's just something, maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like that 12th house, those 12th house Venus people, native Venus and Capricorn, native Venus and Aquarius, native Venus retrograde people, and maybe even native Venus Pluto people. There's something about this cycle that it feels, it, it feels especially profound. And I'm wondering, Cam, if it's not too personal, um, you know, right now we're recording even pre-retrograde. So we're only just now like feeling into the little first couple weeks of Venus in Capricorn as she travels closer to Pluto and then it's going to station retrograde. But I would love for to hear maybe a little bit about, and you don't have to go into too much detail, but maybe a listener would be feel connected or get something out of you talking about some of the maybe relationship stuff that you've been healing lately or some of like the relationship um, stuff that has come more clearly into your mind since Venus moved into Capricorn, maybe like things that you need to be aware of have come in more clearly or maybe patterns surrounding the partners you choose or wherever you want to take this question. Give us, give us some love and dating advice. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but you know, give, give us, give us, yeah. What, what you've been kind of moving through lately. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So one huge thing that I've been really moving through lately has been about, you know, in evolutionary astrology, I keep saying in evolutionary astrology, evolutionary astrology, we talk about Cancer and Capricorn being like the axis of gender roles, right? And so since Venus has been coming into, since Venus came into Capricorn, I've been really like feeling into the idea of gender roles and like, how do I relate to them? And just like being a, the ruler of my ascendant, being Jupiter and Cancer, like I have this capacity to like be very like nourishing and caring and loving in a way that would be perceived as traditionally feminine. Um, but then I also have all this Capricorn, which is like a very holding energy, which I'm not saying that Capricorn is masculine, but traditionally people have seen Capricorn as being 
more of like a father figure role and an authoritative kind of like holding space and governmental and stuff like that. And so like, I've just been going through the road. I've been literally just like going through Google and talking to different people about like, well, what do you think a man should do? What do you think a woman should do? Like, what, you know, I've just been talking about it to people and the more and more I've been hearing like what people think of it, the more and more I've been able to drop what they think about it and drop what people say about it and allow like the fertile juiciness of what the masculine and feminine within my own being wants to do, how it wants to express itself. And that's been amazing because it's allowed me this like sense of, and it's been specifically like potency. And then on top of the potency or after the potency, it's been like very like nourishing or caring and holding. So it's like, I tell somebody what the fuck is up and then I like grab them and like, but it's because I feel this way about you or, or like, I feel this way with you, you know? And just, so it's just like, I am demolishing the need to even see them as gender roles inside of myself, even though I still think there's a good way to talk about it depending on the people you're talking to, right? Because obviously in 2021, there's a lot of people who don't resonate with that at all. But in 2021, there's a lot of people who do resonate with it. So I feel like by resolving those potential issues within myself, I'm allowing myself to be in relationship with people who get with that and people who don't get with that and be able to just express it as I'm experiencing it, but through their potential lens, which creates more connection, which allows for more emotional maturity on my end and on the other person's end because they can hear what I'm saying more. Um, but yeah, mostly for me though, it's been like really just potency because I tend to be, I, like growing up, I was a very potent person, you know? Like whether it was like through like my acts of rage and violence and stuff like that sometimes, <laughs> or just like becoming a football player and being like, I'm gonna be a football player and I'm gonna be good at it and just asserting my will and becoming like a college football player within like two years of even starting to play football. You know, I over time have allowed the social norms that have been changing to like, I have internalized this like, I'm a tall black dude with locks. And so to walk around and be potent inherently would be seen as patriarchal or like you know scary or whatever and I'm just like I don't I don't give a fuck about that right now like in my state of being I give a fuck about it in the way that I talk to people about it and I'm mindful of it and I've done that for years and so now in my level of emotional maturity that I feel like I'm at in the way that I carry myself I can just carry my potency how I carry it and also be caring and loving and also have boundaries with people who tell me I should or shouldn't be this way or that way because of the things that have happened for the last 2000 years when I've been working through that and I still work through that. So if I feel potent about something, if I raise my voice, oh my, oh no, the big black dude raises his voice. Like, you know, like those are the things that I have to experience in my life. And so I'm dropping those things in relating to the world in the way that I want to, that I desire to, that feels good for me. Cause I know how I feel in my body. I've done enough work like in my body of de-armoring myself and like opening myself up to be critiqued and judged and stuff like that, to be able to really feel what's true 
right? Like as far as like, Cameron, you're a man, you should provide this, this and that on just like a traditional level, but then also a perspective of, you can't say that to a woman, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I've done enough work in myself that I actually feel comfortable in saying what I say and feeling how I feel and allowing you to feel how you feel and allow that to be a point of connectivity between us. And that can bridge a gap between us and it could be a beautiful thing or it could demolish this relationship and you can project judgment and try to guilt me. And I will allow you to penetrate me and I'll internalize that if it's true for me. And if it's not true for me, then I'll have my boundaries. And that's in relationships with one-on-one intimate connections. That's in relationship with how I am in life and with the internet. That is in relationship with my clients and my practice with people that I'm like, seeing because I started working back at a spiritual supply store that I first started at um, one day a week and so I'm able to connect in in that way again too as well and ask people more questions and just be curious because I have this interesting range of like from like people who study these things and who are like now becoming like academics around gender and social norms and stuff like that but then also people who are just like from down the street in the hood that doesn't they don't even know that they don't give a fuck about that because of the state that they're in and I'm like seeing it all and just like allowing myself to like be where I'm at with it and so now that feels like what's activated in my Venus retrograde honestly it's just like how can I feel what's in my body and what's true and just express that without feeling like I'm without my asshole being clenched right like that's literally what it is at the end of the day for me, because it's like, if I'm afraid of being judged and I'm afraid of being guilted and shamed and all that other stuff, then other people are gonna sense that from me because they might feel like I'm gonna do it too as well. And I'm like, that's the last thing that we need right now. People feeling guilt and shame and judgment. Um, Yeah, especially if it's not true and if it's not real, especially if it's just brought on by a perceived social norm or by the way that somebody else is defining things because Capricorn is about definition. So Venus retrograde for me at the end of the day is like going into how I feel about things in my body, allow my body to tell me the truth of it and define my reality just off of that and allow that definition that I bring up from that to be my own personal boundary and allow things in that will come in because that is my definition, right? So if I've defined something then there might be leaks or holes in that. So things can still get in, but if they don't come in, then I'm just like, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's what I'll say. And you know, I've, I've said some things to some people and I can't lie, like I've hurt a few people's feelings and I wouldn't say I've hurt a few people's feelings because I was being like overly like an asshole or anything like that, but because I was just allowing myself to be who I was in that moment and define reality as I saw it, knowing that it might make that other person feel uncomfortable. And just like I said before, inviting that to be a bridge or to not be a bridge. Because at the end of the day, I know where my heart's at with things and I just allow that to be the truth that I express and then keep learning and allowing people to teach me and also allowing myself to tell people, no, that didn't land for me, back the fuck up. Cause I can do both, you know, there's in this world right now, it seems like people are like, well, you just need to be receptive. Cause what they're saying, you just like, oh, you can't hear them. Cause and I'm like, 
I hear them, you know, I do this reflection all the time. I hear what you're saying. And also now I'm communicating with you what I feel about it, you know? And it's just like allowing that to be a dynamic that I have in my deepest, most intimate relationships. In my most intimate relationships, me and other people, we can go back and forth because I own how I feel, they own how they feel. They drop the shit that isn't theirs when I say it. I drop the shit that isn't mine when I say it, when they say it. And we just do that. And that's emotional maturity to me in the deepest way. And everybody doesn't have that capacity, which is totally fine. But that's where I come from in this current space and time reality. So yeah, that's what I'll say. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I almost wanna yeah, let that marinate for a second. Um, yeah. That just feels so um, aligned with, I think, what I've been tuning into as well. And, you know, similar things that I've been questioning ever since Venus went into Capricorn. And I think some things that we'll be questioning on a collective scale uh, once the retrograde really starts cooking. And I love that you brought up gender roles and just like even the roles we play in general and you know what was coming to me when you were talking is um (laughs) all right like um I think and maybe this isn't a hot take maybe this is just a hot take for me because I'm I'm my I think we all come to this sort of like what is gender and what is sexuality like questions on our own time, right? So maybe this just has to do with my evolution at the moment. Um, But I'm thinking about how like the roles, specifically the gender roles that society teaches us to play, um, how it actually um, like squanders our pleasure and desires and I'm thinking too, even of um, how many just like even married couples, like long-term committed people that I know, which is kind of a Venus and Capricorn thing, long-term committed people who have no desire between them and like physical desire between them. And not that that's shameful or whatever I'm I know it happens to a lot of people and it might just be a flavor of life but I'm thinking like how much does our our gender roles and the responsibility that society forces us to take how much does that actually have to do with that and like it feels like the um it feels like the trajectory of our relationships is Um, in a very general way, like Disneyland over-idealization, right? And then like, there's like the structure that we abide by. And then after we're in that for a while, then, you know, in that long-term sense, the relationship after Disneyland is like, uh, you know, there's there's another prescription there for where it might be heading and it might be heading somewhere where desire isn't prioritized or people's uh, individual evolutions aren't being prioritized or mm-hmm. just our own selves aren't being prioritized. And I'm like, this is blowing my mind in the sense of like, wow, like 
Venus in retrograde this time around could really be bringing us into this, uh, I think this thought about just how much the roles that are prescribed to us actually ruin our love lives and ruin our love lives and ruin our desires and um and squander like any sort of fruitful abundant connection that we could have and that we could contain um does that make any sense to you cam yeah it does it does yeah and in uh the second pluto book from jeffrey wolf green it talks about venus in capricorn too as well about like how it like wants sustained touch. And so like, even like the Disneyland ideas, like we get like thrown over somebody's shoulder and like they they ravish us, you know? And it's like, they, t- they sweep us off our feet. But it's like, but like, do they even know your body yet? Like, yeah, they like took you over in that moment and that's cool, awesome. But like, how long have you actually like touched my body in a sustained way? like? Have you ever just sat there for seven minutes and just felt my skin and listened to the tone of my body and how it quivers when you do that one thing, like actually in a sustainable way? Like, how can I, and even not even just in a sexual way, it's like non-sexual touch is very, very, very important for people like natives with Venus and Capricorn specifically. It's like non-sexual touch is really, really important, you know? And so because it allows us to like break down that like potential barrier that we have and like really like have sustained pleasure and like really have a sustained understanding of like feeling like what I really, really want, what I really, really need, how I want to be held, even like how I want to hold you and how good that could feel to me too as well. So yeah, beyond the Disneyland thing, if there's nothing put in that place, people don't even know to just like explore this non-sexual touch that could potentially lead to like sexual touch or pleasurable touch in general in a way that's just like, this feels really fucking good, you know? Which is a very, you know, not to say that people who don't do that aren't emotionally mature, but that's in a very emotionally developed, mature kind of way of going about like being in engagement, be like finding your needs being met in a way that's sustainable and long-term. Like how many people like actually just have friends where they're like, Hey, like I want to cuddle, like come through, like or like I just want non-sexual touch, like come give me a massage, or like touch me here, touch me there, make me feel this way, like you know that's a thing that like people are beginning to like learn to explore, but it takes a certain type of well, first of all, it takes a certain type of nervous system to be able to receive that or even think about that. So I'll start there, but it also just takes yeah a certain type of deconditioning to even like yeah to even feel into that or even think about that. I know so many people who think that is slightly outrageous, especially living in Memphis, Tennessee in the middle of the Bible Belt, you know, like, oh my gosh, how dare this person give you a hug longer than five seconds and they're not your partner. Oh my God, I saw you holding that person's hand. Like, how are y'all dating? Or like, you know, it's just like sustained touch is just something that, yeah, I find it to be really important. And something that, you know, I, yeah, I've been exploring how my body likes it and how like, yeah, it even like for me, cause I get so into my body sometimes it's like, it changes the structure of how I walk. Like sometimes like the way someone touches me like the next day, like I feel, yeah, like my posture is better. And like, it's just, yeah, 
I get like really, I've gotten really fine tuned about it. Um, so yeah, that's my reflection on what you're saying. Ooh, yeah, deconditioning de around touch, both sexual and non-sexual touch could very much be a Venus in retrograde theme. And I, I love, yeah, I, I love everything you said. That is, yeah, that really rings true to me in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and Cam, I also want to talk to you maybe like, uh, in, I know we're approaching our kind of time frame here, but I do want to ask you like from your herbalist Ayurvedic perspective, um, have you been downloading anything, any plant allies or any foods or even any physical exercises that could help us kind of move through some of these Venus retrograde themes that we're speaking to, like the letting go and the deconditioning and being in relationship with one another, I mean, there's so many allies that could help us with that, but I just want to know what has been coming to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that question. Yeah, I like that. Um, so lately for me, it hasn't been, I've been writing this chapter in a book over, um, over Chiron. This is like a, a collective of people writing about Chiron and um, in some other centaurs as well and so i've been writing about yarrow and i've been writing about it for like the past probably like month now uh, more intensely and so yeah i've been working with yarrow and some people put yarrow under the correspondence of venus and some people put the uh yarrow under the correspondence of mars and a lot of people like one of my teachers sage Popham, and then another person that i highly recommend people tune into from an herbalist perspective, Matthew Wood. We speak on it from a perspective of Chiron, you know? Um, even Yara was called wounded wart at one point in time. And uh, so, yeah, I've been working with with Yara. You know, it works, it does work on the urinary tract. It, it can help with the skin. So those are two things that are Venusian that could be very helpful. Also, Capricorn is an energy that tends to hold on and retain things in a sense, you know, like, yeah, it's, it gets tense, right? So Yarrow opens up the periphery and allows sweat to come out as well. So that's really helpful. And that's another action on the skin. Um, but also just things that work on the skin in general, because Venus rules the skin, or I would say co-rules the skin. And then also Capricorn is a rulership of the skin as well. So you know, when it comes to like, you know, I think Venus and beauty things, you know, I think of Capricorn being less, hmm, takes a bit back. Not saying less, just like the beauty where you're like putting these things on your face. That's awesome. Cool. Great. What about under your arms where your lymphatic system is like all the way, you know, it's like your lymphatic system, your lymph glands are all up in there. What about in your, in between your groin? What about at your knees? Like, in what ways are you taking care of the skin that's like on your body everywhere? You know, like doing it like it's a discipline, you know, like doing, like having this artful way of taking care of the whole system of the body, the whole structure of the body. Uh, so in that way too, I've been doing a lot of like masks and like, so like getting like red clay 
and, and stuff like that. Well, I get, I'm getting rid of clay because where I'm at in Memphis, Tennessee, it's getting like cold and drier. So I'm using red clay to like moisten it and make it more nourishing. And then I'm adding like rose to it. And then I'm adding like some oils to it. And just like putting that on my whole body and then like just adjusting my posture while I do it. So it's kind of like elaborate thing. Like it's not necessarily just one herb, but if I would say that, so it would be the clay and then the rose. Rose is always good for Venus. I mean, always. But putting it on my whole body and then like actually like adjusting my posture and just being like, feel my skin, feel my posture and like feel the like harmony in my body from that has been feeling really good. But answering the question, yarrow is what I've been working with. Highly recommend yarrow. Absolutely love that plant. It does so many things, you know, and or yeah, I would really just even invite people to reach out if they would want to like take like a trip with yarrow, you know, like go on a little yarrow journey. I've been taking a few people through like just simple, just sipping on the tea and then going through a meditation with it, you know, and it has been like a really powerful thing. And we could even adjust the journey to match the Venus and Capricorn theme or whatever theme really at, at the end of the day, because yarrow is going to do what it does, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Like that. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good plant ally. Um, I'm definitely going to have to feel into that one. And I'm thinking to like, to your point about like routine and how Venus and Capricorn finds like empowerment through routine and like the skincare routine or the self-care routine, even though I don't love the phrase self-care. I feel like it's a little bit overly marketed, but like, <laughs> I think, I think this, if you have been struggling for whatever reason to dedicate yourself to a practice where you're really just taking care of yourself, like putting lotion on your body or dry brushing or whatever, I feel like dedicating yourself to the 40 day practice of with Venus and retrograde to like do that might be really transformational in ways that people may not realize. And something else that was coming through cam when you were talking was, yeah, like it just the idea of what embodiment can offer us. And since we know this Venus retrograde in some way with the, having such a strong Plutonian influence, um, you know, this Venus retrograde, it could trigger us, you know, it could bring up some stuff that we need to look in the eye and maybe purge, but also could be a really profoundly healing experience between us and partners specifically. But in order to have that healing come through we need to be grounded. Like, so the, the thing, the, the um, sort of uh, idea that was coming through while you were talking was like, don't go into a fight hungry. Like, <laughs> or, like don't try to like have a, a, a serious conversation with your partner when you're like starving and you haven't checked in with your body the whole day. Like it could really be night and day how that conversation goes if you like had a nourishing grounding meal that really satisfied you and you did a little like 
yoga and whatever, and then you go into a conversation with someone, I actually think you, you might, it might actually help us so much reach harmony faster and easier, easierly, easierly, more easily, more easily. And also something that you told me once in a session was that um, understanding breeds peace. And I always think that, and I always remember that, that you said that, and um, I'm thinking about, we literally can't understand other people when we're ungrounded. Like yeah. we're just all like floaty and out of our bodies and hungry and crabby and hangry. Mm -hmm. There's no understanding to breed peace. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of what's coming through for me for like the, the physical bodily care for this Venus retrograde. Yeah, that's a great point. And I love that because, yeah. And even going back to the word self-care, I used to word self-care all the time now because I'm like rebelling against that word becoming like not a great thing because I'm just like the self-care, even in that situation is like, let me make sure I get food because I am understanding my relationship with myself. So let me create more homeostasis or one of my teacher calls homeodynamics and that allows us to be like in harmony, like in like our, in a harmonious state that's dynamic, right? Um, so that's homeodynamics. And so it allows us to be in that state. But then when I'm getting into connection with another person then my relationship with them could be more harmonious. Cause if I'm bringing disharmony already to the situation, what's the likelihood that I'm about to create harmony between me and the other person when me and my own physiological state of being already is disharmonious. It's actually asinine and slightly goofy as fuck, honestly. Like if I might put it so eloquently myself, you know, to like think they were going to go into situations, circumstances, dysregulated, not taken care of, and then try to care for other person or try to care for a connection when we haven't even done the basics, you know, it's, oh, the amount of times that like I hear and observe people doing things when yeah, we, we skip a lot of steps. Let's just say that. So I don't go on too far of a tangent. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny because it's funny how our ego can rush us towards something that we think is going to give us relief. Like, oh, I got to like be like a maniac and just like burst into my partner's room and like whatever, and have this conversation with them. It's like, no, that's not what needs to happen. Like, the ego is rushing to some sort of artificial sense of relief and maybe the inner child is rushing towards some kind of sense of connection because um, we can so easily project like mom and dad and our issues with mom and dad onto our partners but like it, it's like there's so many conversations so many um uh, beautiful things that can happen when we approach it in a grounded, regulated way. Um, and not, you know, I call it like my Pisces floaty Vata vibe, which is like, <laughs> oh, I'm in, I'm in outer space and we're going to try to have a conversation, but no, no, we're not doing that. This Venus retrograde, right? Honestly, thank God I have Venus and Capricorn. I say it every day because with all this Vata Pisces, I mean, thank God, God gave me Venus and Capricorn. So, 
Uh, Cam, what um, do you have anything to plug or any um, any workshops or any offerings that you want to talk about um, as we kind of wrap up our Venus and retrograde forecast? Yeah, I kind of wanted to say something about like the Venus and Capricorn as well, like some oh, action. Um, yeah. So just like inviting everybody to like, just in a simple way, like learn about not necessarily your whole musculoskeletal system, but just like learning about your body and posture and understanding how you can feel more relaxed in your body if you just learn how to sit up straight, if you learn how to like bend properly, you know, just very simple things, you know, like very Capricorn practical things of just like learning how your body is literally structured and how you can find more relaxation by going with the harmony of the body and how it's supposed to just like be, like how it's supposed to be structured. You know, so many times I talk to people who have ideas and thoughts and there's judgment and shame and there's projection and there's um, feeling like internalized guilt. There's, there's people who get upset with other people and talk about bodies, you know, I'm always talking about like the thing about bodies, you know? And sometimes just on a simple practical level, like we don't even know how to stand up straight. And so like, if you're trying to defend your body or if you're trying to judge someone else's body and you're not even standing up straight, like that's weird and it's a problem in our society that we like jump to these like ideas about stuff when we can really just like come all the way back in and really tune into that from like an internal perspective. And I'm not saying that any of those other things are good or bad because I don't care about good or bad right now in this specific conversation. I save good and bad usually for like circumstantial things when it's actually alive and true rather than like in this present moment when I'm just trying to share something, but just inviting people into that, you know, like really just think about like, is your shoulder where your shoulders should be at? It's really simple, you know, like, can you bend your fingers back? Are your toes in the place that your toes should be at? Super simple, because when you do that, then you could change the word self-care and just learn how to care for yourself and make it a really simple, practical thing that can, you know, it doesn't have to be this like exercising or like gym rat nature. It could literally be you stretching your fingers for three weeks and then go into your toes for three weeks and then go into your calves for five weeks and then go into your shoulder for three weeks. And you can just Google that, it's so simple. So just like learning how to have a relationship with the structure of your body so you can learn how to like, I don't know, something about it is just like helps us define life for ourselves because we're structured physically in a way that's gonna translate to our emotions that will translate to our psychology. And that's really, really simple. There's no big philosophical illumination to be had from that idea, but from that experience is what is really gonna bring the illumination and the awareness around things. So I just wanted to invite people to tune into that. Oh yeah, my, uh, the, um, the knots in my back, love that message. <laughs> my back, that's like a 90 year old man's 
loves that message. I'm going to, that was right. That would hit me right in the heart. I'm going to take that to my chiropractor. I'm going to be like, all right, homie, we're, we're finally, we're finally we're working on, working on my posture. <laughs> my astrologer finally gave me an epiphany. Um, so I love it. <laughs> okay, Cam. Um, yeah, my friend, plug yourself, give us anything. What, what do you got? How do we work with you? How do we learn from you? Yeah, I've been doing a lot more like mentee sessions and stuff like that, like mentorship stuff. And so people can email me at cadreamplanet at gmail.com for that. And uh, my website is www.cadreamplanet.com. And that's where you can find me to get consultations. Um, my Instagram is cadream6. My Twitter handle is cadream7. <clears throat> I have some big stuff coming up. In 2022, I have a 12-month webinar that's going to be coming up about like embodiment and holistic health in astrology. Um, I don't know if it's okay if I say who where that's going to be presented at quite yet, but it's coming soon, so just be on the lookout. And and also, I have a five-week uh, intro to medical astrology course coming out with uh, Synchronicity University. Um, over with like Nadia Shah and, and everything she's got going on, which is amazing. Love, love working with her and her crew. And so, yeah, those are the big things I have going on. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm speaking at NORAC next year. So that would be fun. And at NORAC, I'm going to be doing a talk over like embodiment and astrology because every single time I've gone to any conference, um, everything has just been like so heady, you know? And so I want to really like bring in like some physical body body practices where we can like, yeah, just like take an hour or so to just like embody these qualities that we're continuously learning about so that we don't have to be lost in the world of thought, but we can bring that world of thought down to the world so that we can change it and make, you know, make things happen here on the planet and just, you know, be in our bodies and be able to integrate the information because it's a lot of information if you've ever been in Norway, trust. Um, also, I'll be speaking at ESAR um, next year, too, as well, the ESAR conference in Colorado. I don't remember which talk I'm doing. I think I'm doing it over the medicinal malefics. Still to be talking about malefics and how I work with malefics in my life to make my health actually way better and how to listen to the language of the malefics. Um, yeah, and it can be, it's, it's really, it's really a good talk. You know, I've been I've had this talk for a while and, I, and the only thing I've been doing with it has been upgrading it. And both of those talks will be coming from a perspective that is not only evolutionary, not only medical, not only traditional, but like, just like, you know, just a variety of astrologies in a, into like a cohesive understanding. So yeah, those are, those are all the things. It's not all the things. Okay, so also I write monthly articles at Yoga Journal. Um, so you can find me at Yoga Journal and see my monthly forecast there. I have some other articles that are out with Yoga Journal over herbs. And it's like over like, I just put one out over like, what's, what's the full moon is about from my perspective. And also like one over like death and Scorpio season and astrology. And I'll be having more out about like deconditioning astrology and in our current space and time and astrology and relationships and things like that. There's one more thing, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. So... I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that.
Okay. I'll have, I'll of course have all your links in the show notes. And when I do the introduction part of uh, our episode, I'll, I'll shout out our other episode on the nodes um, because now we have a couple episodes together, which is amazing. And Cam, I, I deeply appreciate your mind and it really is a treat to hang out with another Venus in Capricorn. Um, and I really cherish you as a colleague and I'm so glad we can, um, we can kind of converse about this kind of stuff. And I hope I'm manifesting us meeting at the, a conference in 2022. I don't know which one it is yet, but either that or we run into each other on the beach in Hawaii or something that could also oh, yeah. I could see that <laughs> <laughs> I could see us doing that too <laughs> oh yeah that would be epic let's manifest that one yeah and yeah it's all like that <laughs> talking to you I really appreciate it and like yeah you have like a special place in my heart like I can feel it and I'm like really appreciative of you so thank you for having me again yeah one last thing I want to invite people into too as well is like invitation because i know i said some things that might actually rub a few people in any type of way you know which is totally fine i respect that and so i'm inviting people to like give me like reflections and perspectives on what you feel rather than uh potential judgment and criticism for the things that i've like you know yeah that i've said or like you know depending on how it rubbed you i'm glad that it rubbed you however it did rub you because that's saying something about you based off of how I experienced my reality and, and I'm appreciative of the reflections always. So and thankful that you even made it to this far to even hear these words to give me a reflection if you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Use us, use us as your mirrors, my friends. <laughs> All right, Cam. Well, we will talk soon and have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. Woo!